0: the last word with Matt Cooper. Today, so we're absolutely delighted to have Richard Osman with us for the Culture Club today. You know Richard from television. He is the co-creator and former presenter of Pointless, for example. Uh, He's been involved in so many other major TV shows. His one, Richard Osman's House of Games. You'll have seen him on the fake news show, Would I Lie to You, QI. Uh, He's a comedian. Uh, He also is a novelist. And the last time Richard was with us on the programme was to talk about the Thursday Murder Club novel. And this series has become an extraordinary success. This is the 21st century Harry Potter for adults, perhaps. Richard Osmond, thank you very much for joining us.
1: Hello, Matt. How are you? That's a lovely introduction. Thank you.
0: We're delighted to have you. Since you were last with us and the last time you were in studio was at the start of the Thursday Murder Club series, Mm. and it's become a series. The fourth book is coming out, The Last Devil to Die. Why has it become so successful, do
1: you think? Yeah, I don't know. Listen, I'm very, very grateful that it has. But yeah, right, right out of the gate, it it, it, it was it was amazing. I mean, it's listen, there's about four sleuths in their eighties who live in a retirement village, and you know they solve crime. So it's, it's it's sort of got a hook to it for sure. But um, you know, and it's it makes people laugh. It makes people cry. So it's, it's got those things. But you know, after a career in telly where I've had. A few, a few successes for sure, but a few failures as well. And you, you can never predict which is which. Uh, but this is, this has taken me completely by surprise. i I'm, I'm I feel enormously blessed that people are taking these characters to their hearts and, 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 and are still buying them and still reading them. Uh, and it's honestly, it's, it's. If, if, if I knew how to do it, uh, then I'd. Uh, well, I don't know what I do. I keep doing it, I suppose, which is what, what I am doing. Uh, but uh, no, it's been, it's been a. A joy. I think people just love the characters. People love a murder mystery, uh, but people also love to sort of care, and you know, and and, and and to have a laugh.
0: You have an extraordinary knack, it would seem, for knowing what entertains people.
1: Well, I, I just think what would entertain me. That's all. That's all I've ever done. I made made TV shows that, that I would like to watch. Now, now I write books that I would like to read. Yeah, I, th- I think I have a w- w- whatever is in my DNA. I think I think I have quite a mainstream sensibility. Uh, and, you know, I just, I never sit there writing just thinking, what would people like? What are people going to enjoy? I literally just, you know, write characters that I love, write stories that entertain me, you know, try and get people to turn the pages. Uh, and, uh, yeah, I'm just, I'm just lucky that, you know, I'm, I, I don't have one of those particularly sort of uh, edgy, cool personalities, you know, I'm quite, um, I'm quite uncool is the truth
0: tell us a little bit about the story in the last devil to die please
1: the last devil to die is the fourth book in this uh, in this series and it's going to be the last one i'm giving them a year off after this so it sort of brings various bits of the story to an end uh, it starts with a with a consignment of heroin coming into uh, new haven on boxing day uh, and essentially this this box of heroin sort of goes between various hands and causes chaos where, where wherever it goes um it brings us into the world of drug dealers, of course. It also brings us into the world of uh, of art forgery. Well, you can make millions in art forgery. I mean an insane amount of money. This is a that's a sidebar, but that's what we should all be going into.
0: Oh sorry, it sounds there um, it sounds like that you got very interested in it and saw a potential yeah. career option.
1: No no kidding I got interested in it. It seems it's really easy. And so I, I had, a, there's a lovely antiques guy called Raj Bisram who's uh, on all the BBC antique shows. Uh, and I'd written a few bits and bobs. I thought, oh, th- some of this seems far-fetched. So I talked to Raj. I said, Raj, I've got this idea about how someone could make money from art forgery. And he just went, oh, yeah, 100%. He said, and then told me stories that were 10 times worse. Uh, so, you know, that 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 world exists out there. Uh, and then there's lots of personal stuff about the Thursday Murder Club in there, Um as well, uh, and you know, a couple of good murders, don't worry about that, but it's, it's um, so far you, you know the, the the reviews are saying it's the best yet, which is really, really, really lovely thing to have. And but it's certainly the most emotional yet, but still, still, hopefully with a with with a lot of laughs in there as well.
0: These books have sold millions upon millions. There's talk now of movies as well, been based on them. Steven Spielberg producing, yeah. But what sort of challenges are going to be in casting? And I have to be careful in how I say this because I don't want to appear ageist. Huh. But if you are trying to develop a series of movies based on the books. Is there going to be difficulty, perhaps, in expecting people in their eighties to play the main roles?
1: Yeah, I think I think the idea in movies is often, certainly with a series, is, is is you tend to age up a little bit, so you'd have seventy playing eighty. Just so, as, as you say, by book, by film five, you know there will be eighty, and you know, um, so I, th- I think you do have to do that. Um, it was it was due to film this. Autumn, but because of the um, the strikes, uh, unfortunately, it's not being so. This is put off till next year, but it still seems to be going ahead. Everyone's still very enthusiastic uh, about it, which is great. But movies—they, though, this such is such a weird industry, and I, I, I know never to sort of you never, must never bank on them. And as I say, we're literally about to start filming, and you know, ev- everything uh, stops quite rightly because of the strikes. Uh, but um, listen, it'll see the light of day at some point, and it'll probably be you know someone who's 40 now will be 70 by then uh, they they (laughs) can be in it
0: OK, well, I know there are so many people who have loved the Thursday Murder Club, "The man who died twice," and the Bullet that missed, and we're looking forward to reading "The Last Devil to Die." So we're all looking forward to that, but we're also looking forward to hearing all your culture club choices, and I think some of them are absolutely terrific and unique oh, to this particular spot. I particularly love your selection of buried treasure, which we we'll get to at the very end.
2: Ah, uh,
1: wonderful. yeah.
0: But let's start with the first single you ever remember buying.
1: Okay, I remember, I've, I've always been a big music fan, and my, my, my brother is in a band, and I love music, and I, I remember saving up some money, and uh, we were going on holiday somewhere, uh, we went into a record shop, and I bought three songs at the same time, and I've very much given you the coolest one that I bought, <laughs> okay? But I will tell you the other two before I tell, say the one that uh, I've, I've furnished you with. One was Green Door by Shaken Stevens. Mm. who i had the great pleasure of meeting uh, recently and was a lovely fella. one was do you remember stars on 45
0: oh god yeah which
1: which was the, the, the sort of uh mess <laughs> up of beatles songs altogether. i bought that uh but i also bought the, the one i remain immensely proud of uh swords of a thousand men by temple studio
0: oh let's hear a bit of that Oh wow! I haven't heard that in so long. Real touch of adamant about that as well.
1: I mean, it, it holds up, right? It's still, uh, it's still a banger.
0: It is indeed. Okay, favorite album? You've gone for Teenage Fan Club and Grand Prix.
1: I have, yeah. It's tricky, favorite album, isn't it? Especially these days when when, when we don't tend to think of uh, albums. But this is this is one of those albums where you couldn't say, oh, those were the two big huge hits off it, and you know the rest is kind of fine. This is one of those ones where every single song is cracking none of them sort of ever poked their head above and became big number one hits or you know big stadium things but every single one has that great sort of west coast songwriting skills Different uh, people with the um, you know, singing the songs. And it's just one of those albums that if if you put on the first song, you have to you have to listen to the last song. Love Teenage Fan Club. Uh I'm glad they're still going now. They're 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 the band that Oasis could have been. That's what I always think.
0: <laughs> Let's hear a little bit from Grand Prix. This is Sparky's dream. That was their fifth album, wasn't it, from around
1: 1995? It's certainly been around a long time. I, rem- I remember them, yeah, very early on, sort of late 80s. Catholic Education, uh, and yeah, every album is great. Bandwagon, band esque is a great album as well. But they just, and even to this day, they keep, they keep just writing great little kind of uh, pop songs.
0: And do you think were they a little bit overlooked in the Britpop era by all of the fuss about the likes of Oasis and Blur?
1: Uh, yeah, no, they definitely were. I mean, listen, they're, they're you know, they're from Glasgow and all those Glasgow bands are sort of notoriously very, very cool. Uh, and yeah, I, I think sometimes they kept themselves quite deliberately obscure. But if, if, if it's not a band that you know and you love a bit of that poppy kind of American stuff, then they've got a great back catalogue for, for, for people to explore.
0: Is that your favourite era of music?
1: Uh, gosh, that's a good question. I've, I've sort of, you know... I love I loved a bit of Britpop, uh, but I, just, I sort of like everything. I have always like country music. That's where that's where when I was a kid, I always remember hearing like old country songs on the radio. and just thinking, this is amazing. Uh, and so I love I love kind of songwriters with great lyrics and you know stories and stuff like that. You know, and um, uh, but I've I've always I always keep up with things. You know, even now I I you know I make sure I know what's in the charts and all that. You know, there's 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 always great music coming out.
0: Now, you mentioned earlier that your brother was in a band, but it's not just any band, is it? Because this is your favourite band and one that would be so well known to many people, Suede.
1: Suede, yeah. I had to, when you said who's my favourite band, I had to, right? Who, who else am I going to choose? It's a hard question anyway. Uh, and, you know, yeah, my, my brother plays bass in Suede. And, as, as, you know, when I was kind of 14, 15, you know, him and Brett used to practice upstairs. So, you know, they they've been such a big part of my life. Uh, And, you know, seeing their success, I was so proud of it. You know, I I got to go and hang out and, you know, stand backstage, you know, next to David Bowie. And so it was, you know, it was so exciting to see and see how hard they worked and and see it come off. But also just a great band, you know. And, um, you know, they're still going now. Whenever I talk to Matt now, he's always in singapore or finland or somewhere doing a big festival uh you know with his mates getting paid a fortune uh and if you've been fortunate enough to see them recently they're just an amazing live band they're so tight uh they're writing great music still they're writing great albums still uh and you know he's like 55 my brother and you know he's still a rock star uh and uh, that's such a dream, you know, when I think back to kind of 91, 92 when they were coming through and how exciting that was and to think you know, all these years later, uh, you know they're still up there, they're all still as skinny as ever, it's like unbelievable Uh, and just still making that same incredible racket.
0: And do you prefer listening to them on audio or on vinyl or whatever format or seeing them play live?
1: Yeah, it's it's. Uh, I love I love to go and see them play live. It's the truth because I'm so proud, You know, I just love watching and seeing what my brother's doing. And you know, that's the and, and there's it. they so good live. I mean, they're really some bands sort of lose a bit of their power live, and sway Swede absolutely kind of gain power. Um, so yeah, I think live is uh, live is the is, is the perfect way to see them. And having the the, the, the only way bands make money these days is uh, is playing live.
0: And having asked you that question, it's not a live track that I have by Swede. But anyway, clever.
3: Oh, (laughs) you know your business. You know
1: your
0: yeah. I should have. Anyway, here we are. This is trash. been a while since I've heard that, and it's worth hearing again. Trash by Suede. Was there ever any familial rivalry? Did you sort of want to get in a band and outdo your brother, Matt?
1: God, no, I'm really not. I'm. It's so, I'm so uncool, Matt, is the truth. And uh, it, it's. it's I, I can't compete with him in that way. And I, I just would not have wanted to be on stage playing guitar. It's just not my world. So for me, it was just, all I got was joy from that and you know and i went into you know the sort of television which would not have been his world so i think he was able to enjoy my success so no it's 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 it's, it's always been lovely that and also he's my older brother so you you idolize your older brother right
0: if you're not fighting with your older brother
1: you <laughs> we were we were a little bit too, he was sort of three and a bit years older than me so yeah i i i think we we, we were too far apart to to, to fight
0: but Richard, you hadn't had any fear about getting performing in front of people as a comedian, did you? Or even on television? Uh, it, you know, you may not have wanted to do it music, but you're not afraid of the limelight, are you?
1: Well, yeah, I've never, I've never got on stage. You know, I've never, I've never been a stand-up. I've never done anything like that. That, that wouldn't particularly interest me. So, you know, I was behind the scenes for, for many, many years. You know, I was a producer and ideas person. So I worked with a lot of comedians, but you know, I wasn't one. Um, uh, so. I I was a comedy writer and all that kind of stuff, but the idea of getting up on stage in front of people never really appealed to me. And so, even when when I became a TV presenter, it was entirely accidental. You know, I hadn't I meant to do it. It just it was one one of those things that happened. And so now I sort of I do get up on stages and you know do talks about the books and and stuff like that. But yeah, I've never I've never wanted to do stand-up and it's never been that's never something that i've thought oh yeah i'd love the acclaim of that room full of people uh so it's you know matt's happy doing that uh, uh and i'm happy chatting about the books but um yeah i would never like go on a stand-up comedy tour or anything like that It's my be my worst nightmare
0: Okay, one more bit of music before we get to your other culture club choices. And we actually don't have a clip from this because this is a gig you were at as far back as 1986 when you were only a young fella, Richard.
1: I was a young fella. 86, maybe it was 87. I think it was 86. Yeah, it was... um, I, I grew up sort of around... Brighton, uh, and this was. I, I loved it, sort, sort of when hip hop had really started moving over into the mainstream. Uh, and at the Brighton Centre, which you know, I think the first gig I ever went to was at the Brighton Centre, and that would have been Toya in like 1981 or something like that. So, But this was a very different gig, uh, it was a double header, which I think. Today you tell people it was doubleheader and people don't believe it, but, you know, it was an amazing tour uh, and it was Public Enemy and the Beastie Boys at the Brighton Centre and it was absolutely mind-blowing.
0: For a teenage boy, that must have been heaven, all right.
1: Oh, my God, can you imagine the energy, the energy in that room?
0: Okay, we have another musical choice as it happens from your favourite movie which we will get to with Richard Osman who has just published The Last Devil to Die, the fourth in the Thursday Murder Club series. We'll get to that in the Culture Club here on The Last Word and Today FM when we come back after this break. Welcome back. Richard Osman is our guest today for the Culture Club. He's just published the latest in the Thursday Murder Club series. It's the Last Devil to Die. But as I said before the break, Richard, there is a musical dimension to your favourite movie, which is.
1: There is. It's so hard. This is. Listen. This is such an awful segment of the show. The things you you, you ask people to choose. It's so difficult. And so favourite movie you asked, and I. Said, there's all sorts of different things, but the the movie. That I could put on and be reliably entertained at any time, and I would watch from start to finish. Uh, is this is Spinal Tap?
0: Okay. For those who are not familiar with this, is Spinal Tap, and there might be a few people who aren't. Explain it.
1: Oh, the joy of not being familiar with it, so so you could still go and watch it. It's 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 a it's a, a a documentary, a rockumentary, if you will, uh, about an imaginary. Uh, British early 80s heavy metal band called Spinal Tap all played with the, the most pitch perfect English accents by American actors uh, and it's essentially just sort of uh, yeah, it's a, a documentary following their um, slightly uh, disappointing uh, comeback tour in America and it's just from start to finish uh, pretty much the funniest film of all time.
0: We have one of the iconic scenes in which the lead guitarist <laughs> Nigel Tufnell explains how his band's amplifiers go to eleven.
2: To uh, you know, what we use on stage, but it's very, very special because if you can see, yeah, the numbers all go to 11. Look, right across the board, oh. 11, oh, 11, 11, and most of the amps moment. go up to 10. Exactly. Does that mean it's louder? Is it any louder? Well, it's one louder, isn't it? It's not 10. You see, most, most blokes, you gonna know, be playing at ten, you're on ten here, all the way up, all the way up, yeah. all the way up. You're on ten on your guitar, where mm. can you go from there? Where? I don't know. Nowhere, exactly. What we do is, if we need that extra push over the cliff, you know what we do? Uh, put it up to eleven. Eleven, exactly. One louder. Why don't you just make ten louder and make ten be the top number and make that a little louder? These go to eleven.
0: That extra push over the cliff, eh, Richard?
1: Yeah, exactly right. And it's just, it's full of, like every scene is sort of endlessly quoted uh, ever since. It's such a wonderful movie.
0: Favourite play or musical or theatre show, what are you going for?
1: Uh, I'm going to go, I'm going back with music because well, I didn't always love musicals. Uh, and I've, I've sort of I've, I've grown to love them over the years, and the best one ever, just in terms of lyrics, and the lyrics all by John Waters, and just the tunes and just the joy of it. Uh, if anyone hasn't seen it, it's absolutely amazing. It's Hairspray.
0: Okay, let's hear a little bit, and then you can tell our listeners a little bit more about it after we've heard a little bit from the Broadway cast recording of Hairspray. Mama, I'm a big girl now.
4: Don't contradict me. Don't disobey me. Don't even think about going to that audition.
2: Please. No! Mother! Stop! Stop telling me what to do! Don't! Don't treat me like a child of two! No! I know that you want what's best! Please! But, Mother, please give it a.
0: That's from Hairspray. Tell us a little more about it, please, Richard.
1: Yeah, that's that's slightly unrepresentative of some of the things. It's a decent 50s knockoff, that. It's essentially set in 50s Baltimore and it, it looks like it's a traditional sort of teenage, high school type musical. But it's, you know, it's incredible about about race and about all sorts of things. Uh, as I say, John Waters, the incredible director, uh, you know, wrote the book for it. So there's there's amazing stuff. Going on in there, and lots of, as I said, pastiches like that 50s pastiche there, but some huge numbers as well. There's some called um, "You Can't Stop the Beat," which I think is, if ever I feel down, I stick that on my headphones, and it, it it immediately is 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 such a huge number. But it's one of those it's one of those brilliant pieces of work that looks like one thing. It looks like oh yeah I've seen this before I've heard this before and actually it's something completely different telling a completely different story uh, and that's you know a great musical theatre can do that it it can lure you into sort of clapping and smiling and then 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 really give you a gut punch.
0: Now for favourite book or author you have given a book. The Talented Mr. Ripley by Patricia mm-hmm. Highsmith. A book I've never read. I actually recently watched the movie again with Matt Damon and it's a terrific movie. But is mm-hmm. the book better?
1: Oh, I mean, it's insanely better. I mean, I love, the, I love the film. But she is, Patricia Highsmith, such an incredible writer. She writes about this guy, Tom Ripley. He's essentially a con man. He's essentially the worst man in the whole world. But over a series of books, you root for him so much. Uh, he, he He sort of, He's a poor guy from New York who, by various means, travels to Europe and takes on the airs of a very, very rich person and starts living that life. So it's the story of a con man, it's the story of a crime, it's the story of sort of America and class, but it's right at the heart of it. You've got this awful anti-hero who you adore. Uh, And Patricia Highsmith is one of the few writers where you read her books and you go, I have no idea how you've done that. Some writers, you can spot the tricks. With Patricia Highsmith, you just think, my God, you've got me absolutely in the palm of your hand and I have no idea how. And if you love this book, there's four more as well. So that's uh, that's that's even better. Cause it's a series.
0: Let's hear a little bit from the audiobook of the talented Mr. Ripley. This is read by David Menken.
3: Is Dickie leaving for somewhere? Or did he just get here? Freddie asked, turning. He's leaving. Did March tell you? He's going to Sicily for a while. When? Tomorrow. Or late tonight, I'm not quite sure. Say, what's the matter with Dickie lately? Freddy asked, frowning. What's the idea of all the seclusion? He says he's been working pretty hard this winter, Tom said, in an offhand tone. Seems to want his privacy. But as far as I know, he's still on good terms with everybody including Marge. Freddie smiled again, unbuttoning his big polo coat. He's not going to stay on good terms with me if he stands me up a few more times.
0: That's from The Talented Mr. Ripley by Patricia Highsmith. As an author, Richard, do you read an enormous amount and what else do you like reading?
1: Uh, yeah, I tried to, when I was writing the first book, I I, I slightly stepped back from reading a bit because I thought oh, well, perhaps I shouldn't read because you know I don't want to be influenced. Um, but now I sort of read everything and, and, and anything. I read a, a lot of crime fiction still, which is uh, which is great, which I love doing. Uh, a lot of sort of slightly comic novels, Muriel Spark, I've read a lot of recently. She's great. I just read a brilliant book called um, The Dutch House by Anne Patchett, uh, which I'd recommend to anyone. But I didn't read it. I listened to the, the audio book and the, the audio of it is read by Tom Hanks that's a pretty good booking isn't it Okay. Uh, so not only is it a wonderful book but you, you, you get to have Tom Hanks' voice in your ear for eight hours as you, as, as you wander around
0: your television choices the one that you've gone for as a child or teenager is one that's been offered so many times here in the culture no. Club. yeah it's the only it's probably the only answer you've given which has come up loads of times with other people what is it about the A-team that you still remember
1: that's funny. Well, I I, I think about, I talk about a lot at the moment because of the Thursday Murder Club, and the, the joy of the Thursday Murder Club is it's four very different people in a gang being thrown into unusual situations. And I love a gang. You know, I love a gang with different skills, and so that that's what I have. My gang happens to be sort of each of them 80 years old, but you know, one's a psychiatrist, one's a uh, a spy, one's a nurse, one's a trade union official. So they're they're really different human beings, uh, and I. I think back a lot to where that kind of how that just naturally came about and I thought well of course the A-team I mean of course the A-team four completely different people thrown together uh, and every week something you know they they, they have to get out of trouble uh, and you know they have to solve something and so uh, it, it, it's like the perfect kind of uh, training watching A-team for, for, for writing the Thursday Murder Club I love I love an unlikely game.
0: And then for your Adult choice. I thought you might actually go for some sort of game show or something like that, given that you spent so much time. But instead, you've gone for something that I actually haven't seen as yet. I think it's on Netflix, Poker Face. Why have you gone for that?
1: Oh, you are going to absolutely love it. Anybody who loves Columbo or Murder, She Wrote or anything like that, it's almost like an homage to that. It's even got the same fonts, that same amazing uh, yellow font as Columbo. Uh, it's Natasha Leon and she plays someone. The hook is, she can tell if you're lying. Right, Uh, and so which makes her a great detective. But they play with that hook so well; it's not just like um, they they don't use it as a sledgehammer. Uh, And essentially, like the littlest hobo, she turns up somewhere new every week uh, and uh, solves a crime. Uh, But it's it's a if you love those sort of seventies crime of the week type uh, shows, it's brilliant. It's done beautifully. It's written beautifully. It's acted beautifully. The settings are always extraordinary, Uh, and it it really is the first sort of detective show like that for many years, I just thought, oh, this is, this is going to end up in the canon of the, of, of, of the great TV detectives.
0: Okay, well, you've sold that to me. Let's hear a clip of Natasha Leon with Adrian Brody.
4: I got no way to elegantly segue into this, so I'm just going to launch in.
2: Segue into what?
4: My friend Natalie. How she did the thing I'm always yelling at my phone about. She did the right thing when she saw something awful, and she actually did something about it. And you killed her for it. Well, you had Cliff Killer. Same thing. Say bullshit if it isn't true. Look me in the eye. And say it. There's only one reason she would have taken a picture of Kane's laptop. To turn him in. To show someone. Like the police. But she didn't show the police. Obviously. She tried to call me. But I missed it. She didn't tell her supervisor. So I figured, Sterling, I figured she came to and Cliff that night. Did I figure right? You figured.
0: You figured. Actually, you've brought back to mind, I mean, if you're saying that's a 21st century Columbo, when Gabriel Byrne did the Culture Club last year with us, he said Columbo oh. is his favourite TV show. Clearly, oh. you have a love for that as well.
1: Yeah if 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 you love columbo you'll love this again it's got the thing of columbo where you know who did it so you know who did it and it's it's, it's you're going to get him you know which is exactly what was always columbo you know who the killer is and then you work backwards and it's it's really is an absolute joy i'm i'm, I'm i love columbo so much uh, and you know this is this is right up there
0: given that you're so busy writing are you still devising new television shows
1: no not really i'm not even presenting really so much i, I still do house of games that's, that's the one i still do but i, I just don't have time because you know because the books just take me you know around the world now and i'm I, I try and do one a year which is which is going at some and so yeah i've, I've sort of moved out of that world also that there's no that old industry of television formats has slightly disappeared over the last few years as, as, as the terrestrial tv industry has disappeared um so it's not the golden age of sort of 10, 15 years ago of formats that would travel around the world. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's the, the economics of the industry aren't not what, what, not what they once were.
0: Isn't it wonderful though, the books endure and you're doing so well yes, with that. Exactly. There's a final thing and I love your choice of buried treasure. Maybe it's because I'm from Cork originally uh, as is the, the man who, of course, unfortunately has now passed who was yeah. behind micro Disney how did you discover Micro Disney, and why are you picking out Town to Town as your buried treasure?
1: It's one of those songs that uh, you know was sort of would we call it a minor hit at the time, uh, and it certainly was you know a song that I loved at the time, and 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 a song that culturally seemed to disappear in the UK at least. Uh, and I was reminded of it a few years ago. Uh, I just I, think I overheard it somewhere, and I thought, hold on, I absolutely love this song. And I had to be reminded of what it is. I was like, oh, on, what's this? And I absolutely, I got it. Okay, I know, I know this song. Uh, and so, again, one of those songs you just think, how, how is this not the most enormous hit? One of my favorite bands in the world is Prefam Sprout. And I think, I, I think they're wonderful. And this, is, this, this has got that, 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 that same feeling to it. You know, beautiful melody, great playing. Uh, and just one of those songs that anyone you ever play it to just goes, where has this song been all my life?
0: Let's hear a little bit of the late Colin Collins singing at Micro Disney Town to Town.
2: It's nothing, don't touch me.
0: you're listening to that I can see why you must have loved it so much because it doesn't just have sort of like echoes of what would subsequently come in Britpop but it has that sort of country twang thrown in as well.
1: Yeah, I, th- I think so that in fact, I, I think I remembered where where I was reminded of I, was, I, was, I think um, David O'Doherty had it on, on on his sort of intro tape uh, and I was chatting to him after, I was like going that's Town to Town by Micro Disney, no one knows that song and so we had a long session talking about how, how, how much we loved it but yeah, it's got that country thing, it's got the sort of rock thing it's, 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 it's everything I love in a song.
0: Richard Osman, it has been terrific having you for the Culture Club. Thank you so much for taking the time to pick out your choices and to come on and speak with it. I mean, I say good luck to you with the new book, The Last Devil to Die, but it's gonna sell millions uh, regardless. And I think there's many more to come. So congratulations on the series uh-huh. and thank you so much for having been with us.
1: Thank you ever so much. It's been an absolute pleasure. The last word with Matt Cooper. Weekdays from four
2: thirty. Today